0: Welcome back to Shred's Takes, everyone. I'm Mike Shredder. Glad you guys can join the podcast today. And it's going to be an exciting show. We have Alex Shamrazadi from Amherst College Men's Soccer coming on to the show again to discuss different stuff within European soccer. Also, he's a big Boston Celtics fan, so we're going to break them down a little bit too, as well as talk about the best player in Europe at this moment in time, or the best player in soccer. So we're going to break all that down on the show. But... To get started, look, soccer is obviously a huge international game, right? Everyone who looks at soccer is, it it, it comes down to, especially overseas, it comes down to a lot of neighborhoods that have intense rivalries based on the teams that they support. They have major support behind their teams and things that we're going to cover a little bit like the European super league, right? Which everyone that's a soccer fan thinks was a disaster. And I'm, I'm obviously inclined to agree with that as well, because, if you look at it, right, it's, it's shown that there, there are teams that are in it are like Manchester United, Juventus, Inter Milan, AC Milan, Manchester City, United, like I said before, Tottenham, um, Hotspur, Liverpool. And the reason why there's a lot of pushback against it is saying that, you know, what gives these teams kind of the right to say they're the 15 best teams in Europe. And that makes a lot of sense to me too, because the best teams right now, again you you look at around the league, around the uh, around europe what makes these teams you know better than everyone else right top you know i'm looking at the premier league table right now and look i know manchester united and manchester city are doing well but they haven't won a premier league championship in a a very long time you know leicester city's third in the premier league at the moment you have chelsea and west ham you know i'm looking at tottenham right tottenham hotspur you know There's six in the Premier League. Okay, that, that, that's very good. But again, you, you're not going to include Leicester City in there. You're not going to include West Ham. You're not going to include Chelsea. Again, this is, it just seems a little bit far-fetched. It's just saying these teams are definitely the best 15 teams in Europe. That, you, you can't determine that. It changes by season by season. And also the problem is if you're in the league and you don't do well, you can't, be, you can't lead the league. So you're also if your team's not very good, you don't get the talent in free agency, there's a problem with that as well. Because, you, again, if your team isn't doing well, you're bringing down the value of the week, and that's a big problem. But Alex is going to talk a lot about that, too, on the show, and it's going to be interesting to hear his thoughts. Because, from my perspective, I think this is obviously not a very good move, and a lot, there's a lot of great, you know, great pushback against it. But because since he's a soccer athlete, he's going to give a little bit more of an understanding, because he follows the Premier League very closely. And It'll be interesting to break all that down as well and see what goes on. In terms of some other things we're going to talk about, we're just going to talk about you know the you know Philadelphia Union and Inter Milan matchup. We're going to talk about just the idea of the MLS comparing that to the Serie A, and a little bit of explaining you know the differences. Obviously, the Serie A is definitely much more high level than the MLS. Not saying the MLS isn't competitive, but just European soccer is just different, right? People who cover soccer, people who listen to soccer, watch soccer, they, everyone knows that European soccer is just different, right? It's just a different kind of animal and a different beast to you know, try and conquer and beat it for different teams within those different countries or different leagues around the continent of Europe, right? So it's just very different. In terms of my opinion, the Boston Celtics, I think they're a first round exit, right? And I'm going to talk to him about that too. I don't think the Boston Celtics are that good. Um, I think they played better recently, but if they get the sixth seed, I think they could give Milwaukee a six game series, but I think Milwaukee's too big. They don't have, and Boston does not have the personnel to wall off Giannis. I just, I don't see it. They're way too inconsistent. And that's the way I feel about it. Are they talented enough to at least beat Milwaukee? Sure. Do I think they're going to beat Milwaukee? No. If Giannis is fully healthy, I don't think they're going to beat Milwaukee. Milwaukee's too big. Milwaukee's have been, you know, hasn't been that great this season, but they're much more consistent than I think Boston's been. And recently when they played, Milwaukee beat Boston pretty handily. And they had a big lead. They just didn't close down. That's when Giannis didn't even have a good game, right? Chris Middleton's a guy who's dominated the Boston Celtics of late in the playoffs. And the last times they played against Boston, Boston's played Milwaukee in the playoffs, which is back in 2019, Boston lost in a five-game series with Kyrie, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Al Horford, right? These guys were on that squad and they lost to Giannis, right? So, and, and now the Milwaukee's got a guy like Drew Holiday, who's a lockdown defender and a guy who has performed well in the playoffs. So I look at all that stuff and I think the Celtics are not in great position. And then the best player in Europe to me, you can look, so I have a few guys to, to point out to you guys, and and we're going to hear Alex's thoughts on this in a little bit too, but my thoughts on the best players in Europe are pretty simple, right? I have Messi, Robert Lewandowski from Bayern Munich, you had a uh, Jorge, Jorge Freo, and uh, Ronaldo, right? These are the top four players, I think, in Europe at the moment. Um, I think they're all very different and all very unique, right? Obviously, Bayern Munich's having an unbelievable year, and one of the top teams in Europe. I mean, they, they had a big injury recently to one of their top players, but I think those are the top four players in Europe. I, I do, because I, I think, you know, Messi and Ronaldo are going to have to be in there because they're still playing at a high level. But I think you got to put Lewandowski and uh, Freyo in there because they've also been playing at a really high level and also their teams have been playing really well and it's because of their contributions. So those are my top four guys. And when we come back onto the show, I will have Alex on to break down all these different topics that I just went over with you guys and we'll listen to, to see what his thoughts are about it. All that coming back up when we come back onto the Shret Takes Podcast Show. A whole load of... So Alex Shemrazadi is back on the podcast for people who did not listen to the first time he was on. Um, Amherst men's soccer player, one of my good friends from the from school. And we had a good conversation last, last time just about the Premier League generally. Um, but... We got some interesting stuff to talk about now, uh, you know, in, in soccer, Alex, as you are well aware of the European Super League was an idea that was formed. Right. Um, look, I'm not obviously following as closely as you you are. Um, but based on what I, I read and, you know, listened to it, it, it just it seems ridiculous. Right. It seems that, you're, you know, you're saying these teams, are the 15 best teams in Europe when these like, you know, Liverpool just got good like a couple like a year ago. And then you're looking at even like teams like Tottenham and uh, the Manchester City, City and Manchester United, they haven't won a Premier league championship in a while, right? So my thing is like, what gives that, those teams kind of like the, the right in a sense to say they're the 15 best teams, but you know, you're obviously falling closer. You know, why do you think the league was number one formed? And then just talk about why you think it was just not a good idea generally?
1: Well, the league was formed for solely monetary reasons. Um not Florentino Perez, who's the, um, the owner of Real Madrid was kind of the spearhead of this followed by Liverpool and Man U. But I think the basis behind the creation of this league, which had supposedly been in the works for 10 years now, I don't know if I buy that, um, was due to a lot of, um, what's it called, a lot of loss during the pandemic. Um, again, And the the owner, Perez, was saying that they had lost like something 400, 500 million dollars during COVID and that the big clubs were losing money during situations like this, but weren't being compensated. And so he was upset with UEFA. And so he and these other owners of clubs such as like Liverpool, United United City, Chelsea uh, came together, a few Italian teams and Spanish teams too, came together and formed this league where the idea is that it's a primetime game. It's like the Super Bowl every week. Um, um. just trying to like get ratings up get money back pumping into the big clubs but what what they didn't you know think about at all was one the players um, they wanted to play they wanted to change the games completely to either be shorter or you know it there was a complete disconnect with what was normally done and it was all fueled by money I guess big picture and if I if I get into it I'll, I'll really get into it and get angry again but i've done a good job of staying calm as the news broke and it's nice to see that it's kind of resolved a little bit now but that that it is a problem that's not going to go away and the solution to the problem which was not joining the league is not as good as people may think because now uefa who's the other organization i don't know how much you read about this like power dynamic between uefa the owners and the clubs um but UEFA has basically paid these clubs not to go and join the Super League. And they've now made a lot more money. And it, it almost looks like it was all planned as like a, a negotiating bargain of some sort. Um, but I guess with this whole situation, I've learned that not only are the owners very, very greedy, snake-like you know, people, but um, UEFA as well. Um, they tried to play the the hero role and act like they were saving football and stopping this super league from joining. But really what they did was they paid the teams to stay. They got their way. Now they're revamping the competition um, in a whole nother way. There's a lot of ways to look at it. I feel like I just spew a little, um, I don't know. I don't know what you exactly, you know, took away from this whole situation and, you know, reading about UEFA and behind the scenes stuff, but it's bad
0: yeah I mean I mean basically what my my thoughts were just taken away with it is just that you look at I think you're also undermining the success of certain teams who have played really well this year so I'm going to give a perfect example right Leicester City is third in the Premier League right and they're just saying eh you know we don't need that team in there right so yeah I think what what this happens a lot of times within the NBA too when they create these super teams right it's for ratings it's for money but the problem is, what they don't re- take into effect is that Europe soccer, there's a really big um, dynamic with how close these fans are with their teams and like the rivalries, right? That's not that that's going to kind of dissipate a little bit if this thing was created because fans are in Europe are really angry about it. So you're not taking the fans into account. I, I, I want to see what you, you thought about that angle a little bit, too. Like, Do you think that also is like a big reason why this didn't end up going through, too, was the fact that. You know, the European connection uh, in terms of fan bases to soccer is just so strong and they were so against it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was just such an objectively a bad and I want to say like. caused such an overwhelming bad reaction from the fans, it, it, it showed two things. One was that. They tried to impose, you know, another aspect of American sports here Um, because if you look at at a lot of the owners that were spearheading the project, a lot of them were foreign. None were actually from the place in which the team had originated. Um, Liverpool had American owners, Uh, Man United American owners. You've got um, owners from Dubai with Man City, Chelsea, Russian owners, but none of them have like a cultural root to this club and it it just showed the power of the fans. Um, I guess the global community because this got shut down so quick. It also shows the need for a players association, something along the lines of that. Um, Because if you do look at American sports, I don't think anything like this would have ever gotten nearly as far as it did, you know, with the likes of a players association in in the NBA. Um, So I think that's something
0: they need to look at now. Let's shift over. So look, I know Inter Milan, I've talked to some of your teammates, so Inter Milan in the Philadelphia union matchup is is pretty cool to look at, but from my perspective, you know, I I just don't really see how it's going to be competitive, right? It's just that at the MLS versus the Serie A is just like, it's a big difference, right? Inter Milan is the best team in the Serie A right now. They're, they have 23 wins, you know, two losses, seven draws. Like you, you obviously know all of this, but, um, you know, they have really down to pieces, you know, Philadelphia union had played one game. <laughs> so it's just, I look at that. I'm kind of saying this is great for American people to get an up close and personal view of how good European soccer is, how good the team like Inter Milan is. And you look for Philadelphia union, obviously this is a chance for them to say, okay, the MLS is better than what people think. I just don't really, even though I think the MLS has good players, it's just tough, right? It's just, it's tough when you're competing against the best players in the world who are coming from, you know, top level leagues in Europe where you're competing against the best every single game, Uh, Premier League, Serie A, you know, La Liga, the list goes on, right? So I was wondering kind of like what what are your thoughts about this game? You know, do you think it's – do you think Philadelphia Union can make it interesting? Like, you know, what are you – I just kind of want to hear like what you think about the game generally. Uh,
1: No, I don't think they can make it interesting. They they do this thing every year – Sorry, I had my alarms just firing off there. Um, they do this thing every year where they take the MLS All-Stars against Premier League champion or one of the teams in Europe. It really doesn't matter which team they choose. And it's usually a a stomping or, you know, a celebrity kick around if it's competitive. But uh you you nailed it right on the spot. The the cultures are different, the the like stature of the players they play against Inter Milan are right now beating, beating out Ronaldo and Juventus. So, you know, if, if Philly union can, you know, muster up anything like that, I would be surprised, but no, the the gap is the gap is too, too apparent between the two clubs.
0: Yeah, no, I, I feel you there. Um, so shifting over, because I know you're, you're, you know, a big Boston sports fan. Um, obviously, the Celtics have been a really up and down team. Don't know how much you've been following them this year, but um, I'm assuming you follow them pretty heavily. Um, so I'm a Knicks I'm fan, good. right? So, so, so I'm very happy the way the Knicks have been playing uh, right now, the four seed. But my, I gave my thoughts earlier in the Boston Celtics. I say they do they have the talent to beat Milwaukee. Yes. Do I legitimately think they're going to beat them? No. So the reason why I think that is because. Defensively, they've gotten worse than they were last year. They don't really have any like sort of system to wall off Giannis, which is the strategy you use against the Bucs. And I think also the addition of Drew Holiday to the Bucs and the fact that Chris Middleton has really done well against the Celtics in playoff series. I, I, I see that series going six or seven games. I just think that Boston, ultimately, there's something a little off, even though they've been playing better recently. There's something a little off there um, in terms of just them clicking um, so I want to hear, you know, your thoughts. Um, I've talked to a few people about the Boston Celtics, but it's get, it's interesting to hear just like another person's thought on the team, what you thought, you know, what is your expectations for them going forward as they get into the postseason play?
1: Yeah, I I don't think my mindset's changed all year. I've kind of been, you know, just get to postseason. Like we've got players that are like playoff ready for the most part, people that have been there. Um, our stars who haven't are like, Kemba Walker so I mean for me it's been good to the playoffs we'll sort it out then um it's definitely nice to see Philly at the top considering how bad we've been this year not that Philly is not good but I know that I know the Celtics have you know we've got it over Philly like mentally um that was a crazy shot and beat almost hit I don't know if it was last night or two nights ago that was crazy um it's a case of getting healthy at the right time and then kind of, I think like locking down a little bit better in terms of like mentality like I, I still think we're very immature uh, I think that goes without saying considering like Jason Tatum is our superstar nothing against him I just think he's he's just having fun right now he hasn't quite locked in yet into like a championship mode although I think Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart have and then I, I think it'll also depend on Robert Williams, if we can get him going. Um, we did make some, we, we've been doing all the right things lately. We added Jabari Parker, added um, Evan Fournier, just a little, we need like, you know, a little more consistency when the second unit comes in for scoring. But if you look at us in the playoffs last year, I mean, we lost to the Heat. Like, you know, injured Kemba, Hayward didn't play. I think the East definitely got stronger. I think so did we, but we don't. We haven't figured that out yet. So, I mean, it's kind of like a rush around against time. See if we can figure out yeah. a way to to be dominant. Because I, I think we can be. I think we can be. I think the Bucs would be a good matchup for us. I think the Nets, I've been thinking all year, like hopefully someone else takes care of them. Maybe Philly and Brooklyn play before us. But I don't know if we beat Brooklyn. Philly's tough. I think we beat them. Bucks. 50 50. Everyone else should be fine.
0: The Knicks are scaring me every time I check. Yeah. So, I mean, what's interesting about what you said, too, is that, you know, the Knicks are obviously very good defensively, right? But, like, the thing that I think about the Celtics, too, is just the reason I'm a little bit more down on them is just because. It's not so easy because I don't think Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, and Jalen Brown are capable of doing it. It's just Kemba Walker's been—it's been a really bad year for him. And I'm actually a Kemba fan. I love the way he plays, so that's been frustrating in that angle. But what I want to break down, you know, so look, going back to the soccer uh, angle of the, sh- of the show today, best players in Europe, right? So I have a list of my own. I'm gonna hear. I want to hear your thoughts on it. See if you think it's ridiculous or not. But um, so I go, Messi. Uh, Lewandowski from uh, Bayern Munich um, Jorgenho Freo from uh, Chelsea and then I go Ronaldo as my top four those are like not in any particular order um, but those are like my top four guys if I had to say okay these are the top guys in Europe I think those guys are right what are your thoughts about that and then you know give me a little bit of your list
1: and this is just right
0: now like this is just yeah yeah this is current
1: yes Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Messi first. Good. No, no issues there. Um, Lewandowski second. I like that.
0: Um, who is the guy you had from Chelsea? I, I might be not pronouncing his name wrong, but you, Jorgenho Freo uh, defender, uh, midfielder. I could, I, I could be pronouncing his name wrong.
1: Yes. Oh, Jorginho. Yeah. Jorginho. No, yeah. he's had a good year. I wouldn't quite put him. Yeah. I wouldn't quite put him. Top five, top ten, but um, Chelsea have really turned the corner. They were absolutely awful until they got a new coach, I don't know, two, three, four months ago, and they've really... for them. Uh, another one of our rivals prospering. Um, Ronaldo's in there. Kevin De Bruyne's in that top five. Um, uh, Van Dijk would, would top the list if he was healthy outside of Messi. Uh, Ronaldo's dropped off. So I think you're right to, to move him down the list, but he's, he's still in the top five for me. Um, Harry Kane's been really good this year, um, very impressive. And he's been injured too. He actually, he leads the Premier League in goals and assists having played much, many fewer games and being a striker. So that's very impressive. And then I've, I would have a Man City defender this year. They've been, they've been unbelievable. Ruben Diaz, maybe. He's a new 23 year old Portuguese signing for them that's helped given their defense structure, which is something they lacked. Um, I took this one with a big name I'm missing, but in terms of standout performers, those are the ones that have come to my mind this year. I'm sure I'm missing a few, but. You you pretty much nailed it. I, I would just remove Jorginho from your list, but other than that, spot on.
0: Appreciate that. Yeah. I, I just put Jorginho in there because I think the fact that he's had a huge impact on Chelsea's winning I and mean, Chelsea's just had a good coach generally that that's the way I put it in there. It's just, you know, I, I kind of went by the uh, NBA MVP standard is like, you know, team winning and the guy contributing it to it, obviously. So um but yeah, no, uh, thanks for coming on to the show. Um, I'm glad you got to, you know, give, give, I think it's good for the people to understand a little bit more about, you know, the intricacies of soccer. That's why I like to have soccer guests on, my, on the podcast. It's always fun to talk soccer. Uh, That'd right, be Val.
1: awesome.
0: Yep, take it easy. Well, thanks for, thanks for having me
1: on. It was good to catch up. Thank of you. Course. Of course.